What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Show at GoLong, GoLongTD.com. Thank you so much for reading, for listening, for subscribing. Jim, I am uh, ecstatic going into season number four for this company. It's it's crazy to think that it really was that long ago that we were at resurgence, right? Where we're pounding those fried pickles, uh, <laughs> talking about that 2018, no, 17 NFL 17. draft. Yep. That's right. Uh, and, and, and how <clears throat> close the Buffalo Bills were to uh to drafting Mahomes or we I guess it kind of started that October before that Terry Pagula the owner was infatuated but that's kind of how we first connected and the idea of the podcast was formed as I was actually interviewing you for the first story we ever ran at Go Long um over at the newsletter on Substack and we're sitting there telling stories reliving quarterback workouts and it just kind of <laughs> hit us both you know, we should probably just do a podcast. This is too much fun. Let's just hear old war stories, old draft stories, yeah. and uh, lo and bold, here here we are. Uh, the the flagship podcast at Go Long. A, a tweak to the rebranding, if that's cool with you, Jim. The Go Long Show, because now yeah, we're yeah. bringing in the tie and Bob Pod, Bob McGinn, legendary right. Hall of Fame sports writer, a mentor, a colleague of mine at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, is back for more at Go Long. Uh, we're going to be doing a weekly show. Um, same deal. You know, we're going to talk NFL, a lot of different topics, but obviously have a keen eye toward the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love. He lives in Ann Arbor, so we'll be touching a lot on those Detroit Lions a bunch. And then I think on this podcast, really not a lot's going to change, Jim. I think we're going to really look at football through that front office lens that you bring, which is, in my opinion, I'm biased, obviously, but unparalleled. I think it's really hard for anybody out there to get unvarnished takes and uh, knowledge when it comes to pro football. You know, it's really hard to get anybody that's in the game, on the record, giving you the real and the raw of what happens in those draft rooms, in free agency. You're fresh out of it. You were a scout with the Philadelphia Eagles the New Orleans Saints, the director of personnel with the Buffalo Bills and general manager Doug Whaley. And now you're one of the higher ups in the XFL, which is doing great and, and forging ahead into a second season. I guess that's my long winded intro, Jim, of just saying I am really stoked for everything ahead in 2023. Uh, if you want to check out kind of the master plan for the, the, the company in terms of long form that we're going to be attacking the, the cadence of coverage, the three shows that we're going to have. In addition to the writing, it's all over there. Go long If you didn't check it out already, a lot of news to share on that third show. Still going to leave everybody in a little suspense for now. Um, but Jim, it is good to see you. And I can't thank you enough for coming along for the ride. You've been, just a, an unbelievable human being. I'll, I'll tell anybody who will listen. Jim Monas is about as good of a person as you will ever find in football, outside of football. You've got such a big heart. We've become such close friends through this podcast. And uh, I'm lucky to know you, man. It, it's been a, it's been a great time. And I, I just can't wait for everything ahead this season. Well, cheers, Tyler. That's a hell of an introduction. I feel the same way about you, man. It's been nothing but. I can't stop smiling when you brought up resurgence that that first time when we started just talking about that draft with Mahomes. But in seriousness, though, that really is we've become close off the you know off the mic and uh, been able to hang out, families get together a little bit. So it's been cool. Um, but definitely the takes I've always enjoyed your takes, and you've opened my eyes to things that that I've paid more attention to, and and. That is why I always you're always learning in this business. And that's how we always felt as scouts. You always want to keep learning every year or else you're not going to get better. And I feel like that's what we're trying to do at Go Long, especially with the pod. You know, hopefully we can keep getting guests, keep getting good takes. I really want to dive into these quarterbacks this year. I feel like we have a new crop of, you know, like the guys we've talked, the Jordan Loves, the the Richardsons, the, the young guys. A lot of guys, the Ritters in Atlanta, guys we haven't studied. Pickett, is he going to take that step? I can't wait to dive into those guys and 
and hopefully get some maybe some study the stack columns if timing works out and you know if it works i'd love to still keep those going too and just keep hey keep keep being a part of the go long family we're never going to say no to those columns jim i i love how you study the position <laughs> and your quarterback grading system i mean it really should be implemented by teams because it's it's an it's a scout's eye on the position it's it's not a calculation it's not qbr passer rating it's looking at every single play from a quarterback in a given game giving him a plus one a minus one maybe a plus two a minus two with your you know with the eye of a scout like like viewing the game through your lens right it it, because that's football it's played by human beings it's it's not so black and white there's going to be a lot of gray so if we can get some of those columns out of you jim that'd be amazing because i think i think it revealed a lot these last couple seasons when you did those and we should also note here at the top that fatty beer company they fuel us we love them we're gonna still uh get together for some live shows live gatherings over there at fatty uh it's it's so funny you know we're all running around uh, you know doing podcasts writing stories planning things out changing diapers chasing kids uh <laughs> nick, nick nick and chris we've been meeting to get together with them and figure out when we can do like a kickoff bash for those who listen locally i know i've said it a few times stay tuned but we'll definitely share that information when when we can get it it was a lot of fun when we did something like that at hamburg brewing a couple years ago and we've done it at fatty remember we had the uh the packers bills monday night pregame tailgate in orchard park and then we also did the uh bills bengals divisional playoff eve get together at the same locale so definitely we'll make that happen and i just want to thank everybody out there again because I, i wrote it you know, in the master plan over at the site, but I, I really mean it. When I, when I launched this thing, Jim, I really wasn't sure what to expect because I was at a place, Bleach Report, not to pick on BR. I mean, every, everybody, all the all of the conglomerates, all of the mainstream outlets in some form or fashion are, are kind of doing the same thing where it's gravitating toward the fast food, toward, you know, word count limits on stories and just hyper hyper jurisdiction i shared the story on sammy Watkins, where you know i have this unforgettable bizarre conversation with sammy Watkins that i will never forget until the day i die we probably talked for over five hours we shut the restaurant down in orlando it was like it was like a week before covid really took off and i went back and read that story i totally forgot like sammy Watkins basically predicted covid he basically said this new world order is coming and everything is going to change. And, and when we talked, it really wasn't a thing. It was kind of a footnote in section D of your local newspaper. Um, but yeah, etheric bodies, astral realms, other dimensions, demons. Uh, on, uh, you know, Hopefully people checked it out uh, when it came out at Bleach Report. But anyways, long-winded way of saying, when I had that conversation and I let... A few editors know a Bleach Report. They were excited. Like I said, a lot of great people there. Um, Jake Leonard, Colin McCullough, Wes O'Donnell, Ben Osborne, who subscribes and is just an awesome, awesome dude. Love you, Ben. Um, they, they were all excited, too. And then there was kind of like this nebulous programming department that was entering the conversation and said, eh, maybe just 800 words on the free agency stuff. That's all we're really interested in. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you guys don't have a clue. This stuff's wild. So I pushed back for once, and to their credit, they listened. The story ran in full. It did really, really well. Um, and that's kind of the conversation that's had, I think, at a lot of different places where, um, you know, attention spans are short. I get it. But it doesn't need to be that way. We don't have to doom scroll on Instagram and Twitter X, sorry, Facebook, TikTok, like we, 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 we can choose to not be a zombie. We can choose to not just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and be manipulated by these companies. I mean, that that's what we're being manipulated. How often, Jim, are you just thinking of something or you say something out loud? You don't even type it in a phone and you 
are inundated with ads for whatever you just said. Like, we don't have to live in that world. Like, you can choose to take your brain back. So that was the appeal of Substack, the appeal of running my own business, do it the way I want to cover football. A, a ton of long form player profiles, the deep dives into teams, these long form podcasts. And if people want to get on board, hell yeah, baby, let's go. Like we, we'd love to have you. We're going to innovate constantly. We're going to think of new ideas to, 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 to build this community. And we're at this for four years. The business is doing phenomenal. It's supporting our family. We have a daughter, Ella, a, a son, Sonny, my wife, Gina, everybody's doing great. And I just, I'm, I'm speechless, Jim. It's just, it's just awesome to see people choosing to invest a, their money, which as we know, with inflation skyrocketing, it's tough. That's, I did not want to raise prices because I know it's tough out there, but, but, but be their time. Like time is valuable. Everybody's so damn busy all the time to invest the time uh, to, to read a story and to learn something. I don't take that for granted that you want to use 30 minutes of your day to read a story about Zay Jones, right. And how he turned his life around or Carlton Davis or the Detroit lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, yeah, it's been a hell of a lot of fun, and we should probably get into this podcast. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little NFC. We, we previewed the AFC, and, you know, it, it kind of was boilerplate when you think about it, Jim, right? We have to talk about Mahomes and Josh Allen and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I think this is going to be a little more fun. I think that the NFC – Maybe obviously talent wise inferior to the AFC, but the fact that it is so wide open, we can take this conversation so many different directions. I want to give you the floor. Where do you want to start in the NFC? I think with the NFC, if you start with the mindset that Philadelphia will not win the NFC, what if you just think of that just with that mindset? Because I feel like that's the obvious. I feel like they're just ready, they're loaded. That's the pick right now that everybody is – obviously, they deserve to be the, the favorite. But if you're not going to pick Philadelphia, think how crazy it gets. Just in your mind, right off the bat, it's like it takes you in a whole lot of directions. I don't think it's a simple – I think, like we always talk about, it's hard to get back to the Super Bowl. I think another team's coming out of the NFC. Where I'm struggling – is who is it going to be? Because <laughs> I still can't find that quarterback that I believe in enough. Is it Dak? Is it Daniel Jones? Is it is it Love? Is it Carr with the Saints, who I think are the best team in that division? You know, I'm just saying with a veteran defense. With I'm just there's so many scenarios that can happen if you think about Philadelphia not just not just putting them in the Super Bowl. Now, if you think Philadelphia is that loaded, Tyler. I'm not going to argue it. I think that division, let's just start, let's stay with that division, NFC East. That division to me has taken huge steps, and Philly is going to have to fight. Giants have to improve on defense. Washington's defense is good. Dallas's defense is good. So there's going to be a fight for Philadelphia now every time they're in their division. Hurts, we know it doesn't get easier for quarterbacks. These these teams are coming hard for you know they're gonna they're gonna game plan all offseason. How can we slow this guy down? Not gonna say they're going to, but Hertz is gonna face new challenges. And I think you've brought this up. The coordinators are gone. So let's see if that does factor in with Philly. A team that I always like it. I I talk about it all. Dallas, I think, can win this division. I think Dallas can win this division. And I'm saying that basing that on Dak Prescott playing at a at a can't hurt you. Kirk Cousins, what do we always talk about? Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, that whole mix of guys. Just don't turn the ball over. Get it to your playmakers. Let your defense be great because those quarterbacks have limitations. I think Dak has a ceiling just like Cousins does, just like Goff does. They have ceilings. But their teams don't. That Cowboy team around Dak is pretty locked and loaded. So that's going to be my team to win the NFC East, Dallas, just to have some fun. I'm not saying the NFC yet, NFC East. All right, what do you think? You hate it. Well, I, I want to know if you were inspired by Jonathan Gannon's fire and brimstone but, speech. 
to the Arizona Cardinals because that could be a game changer in the NFC. You know, if that ta- talent-laden bunch down in the desert, um, you know, the, you hear a speech like that, that the team itself put out. That That's kind of what's funny about it, right? The team, their own media department is publicizing a, uh, a pep talk, I guess you'd call it, a motivational speech. Uh, and they're zooming in on the Buda Bakers and the James Connors and everybody just looks like they want to be anywhere, but in a room with Jonathan Gannon talking about taking the bus and having fire in the belly. And I don't know. I got, I really thought it was Kendall Roy given the living plus speech in succession that the, the, the similarities are eerie, but the thing is Kendall Roy, he nailed that presentation, right? Right after, uh, all right. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched succession, earmuffs, mute, whatever you got to do. Jim has his fingers in his ears. Uh, After Logan Roy dies, Kendall, who was at odds with Logan, is given a speech to the shareholders, and he freaking nails it. It's unbelievable. Um, So maybe maybe that comp isn't really spot on, because I don't think Jonathan Gannon nailed that. So I'm starting to wonder, like, yeah, I've, I've made the point on Philadelphia Philadelphia losing their coordinators, and Shane Steichen is a huge loss. You saw what Jalen Hurts did in the Super Bowl. That Eagles defense did not look good in the Super Bowl. They were great during the regular season and in playoff wins over the Giants and the 49ers. But how much of that was Howie Roseman, who's a recurring character on this uh, go-long show? <laughs> how much of it is is the personnel, right? A ton of sacks. A historic amount of sacks, a ton of turnovers, free agent acquisitions, draft picks. I'm starting to think that the defensive coordinator, and maybe I'm letting that speech kind of pollute my thinking on this. I, I, I guess I don't know how good Gannon really was as defensive coordinator. I don't know. Like, maybe it's not that big of a loss. <laughs> I mean, they're going to regress a little bit to the mean. Like, they can't have the number of sacks they had last year, the number of turnovers. Like, that's not a sustainable thing. They'll, they'll probably give up some big plays. They'll probably even lose a game here and there because of their defense. But I'm not so sure they're going to be in dire need of Jonathan Gannon running the show on defense. <laughs> Let's not forget Patrick Mahomes re-injured that ankle in the Super Bowl. And he still found a way to be perfect. Perfect in the second half. Like the Kansas City Chiefs gained every yard that they could gain in that second half up until the kneel downs, like up to the game winning kick. They're perfect, which is an indictment on your defense. So yeah, maybe, maybe I, sh- I mean, I'm not down. I'm not down on the Eagles. I just think no, it's hard to no. get back to that point. And, and I love the New York Giants and everything that okay, that's, Joe Shane did this offseason. That's exactly that led me. I wanted you to talk about the Giants. That's perfect. Because to be honest, I was battling with Dallas and the Giants as far as like what team do I feel like maybe can make a, a push and take that next step. And the more I looked at both rosters defensively, I feel like Dallas might just be ready, you know, a little bit and, and Dak just ready to get to that next step. Um, I'm not a huge Jones guy. As you know, it's preventing me from it's preventing me from loving the Giants. Jones is preventing me from loving the Giants. I just I need to see it. I need to see it. But anyway, Dallas. Well, I'm Philly. pulling up the uh, story on Joe Shane here because I want to. I don't want to misspeak, but if you haven't checked it out, go long. I uh, chatted with Joe Shane, the GM, for an hour, and he gets into his life, his rise, his decision to bet on himself when Striker had a job offer on the table and he could have made 200 K in a couple of years, but we, we got to the decisions this off season and he made a point to bring up a few things. Okay. So Joe shade, he, he genuinely looked at every practice, every game from training camp through the playoff win against the Minnesota Vikings, the playoff loss against Philadelphia. Remember the Daniel Jones story that we had during the season when Brian Dable in training camp, is structuring practice in a way for Daniel Jones to fail. Wink Martindale had the plays, the script in hand because I mean, it's, I love it from Brian Dable. Like let's, let's stack the deck against Daniel Jones and see how mentally tough he is when the tabloids 
are throwing you on the back page and every tweet, every X clip is going to look pretty bad. And Tyrod Taylor was set up to succeed and he looks pretty good. How are you going to respond? Well, he passed that test, but you, I don't think, I know it might sound like excuse making, but look at the talent, the lack thereof around Daniel Jones. It's, it even blew my mind or things that I forgot about that Joe Shane brought up in our conversation, like Darius Slayton, right? He led the team in receiving. He was a healthy scratch in week one. He was in the doghouse. <laughs> so your leading receiver, it looks like his career as a New York giant may be over before the season even begins. Um, a play, I, I've never heard of this player in my life. Marcus Johnson. You ever heard of Marcus Johnson from 2016 no. to 2022? He was undrafted out of Texas. Really didn't do much in college either. He was on five different teams and never caught more than 20 balls in a season. David Sills, who kicked around on the Bills practice squad for a yeah, bit, him, remember, undrafted, yeah. cast off. He was on the team for a little bit. Um, there were a couple tight ends that weren't even on NFL rosters by season's end, by the end of the season that the Giants were counting on. So, it, it, I mean, the, Daniel Jones did not have a plethora of weapons around him, but he did have Brian Dable, and he did have this really, really difficult offense to learn. It's full of option routes. The quarterback has to think. It's not Kyle Shanahan spitting a play in your ear hole right before the snap, telling you exactly what to do, exactly where to throw, treating you like you're some cyborg out there. Like there is a lot on Daniel Jones's plate. I think that will bode well for him with a full off season and more weapons. Isaiah Hodgins came on at the end of last season. You, you hope you have Wandale Robinson back. You bring in Paris Campbell. Um, and what about Darren Waller? He'll probably get the most targets out of anybody at tight end. Looked really good in training camp. Took care of his body. If you get the 2019-2020 Darren Waller, it's a game changer. I just think that that's the kind of quarterback that you need to win in the playoffs and the kind of offense you need to win in the playoffs. Like your quarterback is going to have to improvise and be the difference maker at some point. And I can see Daniel Jones making those plays. And I can't believe I'm saying that out loud because like a lot of people, I thought he was done a couple years ago at the end of the Dave Gettleman, Joe judge tenure. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't ready to give up on Daniel Jones completely, but it wasn't looking good. And they, was, they gave it a year. It worked yeah. out. And I think that you're investing in Brian Dable in the offense, as much as you're investing in Jane, Daniel Jones with this contract. It was so unfair to Jones almost. Like he was doing, you know, he was so young and it was just, we talk about it all the time. Quarterbacks getting set up for success or not. He is now set up for success. This is the first season you can say he's walking out there with the receivers, the skill guys, the line, the front office, the coaching staff. It's in place. I, this is it. I, I don't want to talk about Daniel Jones a lot after this season. I want, we, we, we need to like get a good feeling on him and move on. Like, I feel like, because I'm with you. I you can't write him off because he does too many. You see some good plays, but you don't see enough special throws. That's where I really struggle with him. And then you have to factor in what you just said. It's fair. If 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 he's not having the full, you know, the the first string guys because of injuries, whatever the reason, I want to judge him with the full, you know, the full lineup. So yes, Giants. I three teams from that division, sure. They can make three teams can make the playoffs there. The contract is so fascinating too, because the giants, I mean, granted it will cost them what, like they can, 80 mil, something like that, but they, they can get out of it in a couple of years. Yeah. If they two really years. want to. And it, it's not necessarily what it was reported originally. It never no. is. No. And at 37.5 million per year, Yes, that's a lot of money, but it's it, not. What is that? I think ninth or tenth on the scale it's, per year. You made the playoffs right him. now. You made the playoffs with him. You drafted him. That's that's fine. I'm over the. I'm over contracts. How many contracts are getting reworked like today? I know. I mean, yeah, it's just every day. New just signing bonus, signing bonus under the cap. Blah blah blah. I'm I'm just. Daniel Jones deserves keep him. You you invested in him. You've had some. You made the playoffs. Give it a shot. 
It's wild, though. I mean, imagine if he does take a substantial step and they get to the playoffs, <laughs> they win the division, they get to the NFC Championship game, and he's a reason that they win. All of a sudden, that contract's looking like a bargain. I mean, because oh, it's no, going to keep no going question. up. Joe Burrow is going to go north of 52. <laughs> Whoever's well, next is just going to get more money. Next yeah. thing you're so in, we're going to have to give Gettleman. genius on Joe Shane's part. Well, I'm just going to say Gettleman might end up getting credit for Daniel Jones and Barkley at some point if, if they're if they're having that kind of success. But Oh, man, anyway, that is a complex yeah. conversation to have because, yes, like and, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, players that Dave Gettleman drafted with a different coaching staff are getting rewarded. And I went back and I was looking at their depth chart, Jim, and I, I'm like, okay, well, let's let's slow our roll on old Dave Gettleman because they reset basically everywhere else. Like just the, the salary cap was an unmitigated disaster. They rolled over what, like $12,000 that January when he was fired. So yeah, Kenny Galladay, Nate Solder. There's there's some pretty bad moves. No, I, I was kind of yeah. I think Jones is pretty much the, the the you know the yes or no on that one. I think the rest of that has been that would be the saving, you know, that would save maybe the Gettleman era. I, I want to get your take on this though, because through our kickoff series of, of stories, it's it's been a lot of optimistic storylines, right? Like the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban's out, Doug Peterson is in, Doug Peterson is in. Here's how they turned it around, right? Believing in your players, going forward on fourth down, the the, the trust element, similar with the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell seeking a very specific type of DNA. Amon Ross, St. Brown, catching 202 balls at the Jugs machine every day. Khalif Raymond sending hundreds and hundreds and thousands of emails out to colleges just to get a shot. Like, check it out if you didn't. I, it got to a point where, like, all right, Jim, you know what? It can't all be like this. Like, what? Got to look around the league and kind of see what I don't like <laughs> into this season. And maybe it surprised people, but we'll see how it plays out, too. The Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers. I really thought that Trey Lance trade and the way it went down exposed the flaws, the fatal flaws of both Kyle Shanahan and Jerry Jones, where, you know, Jerry Jones can't help himself. Jerry Jones is going to insert himself <clears throat> into the personnel department. You know Will McClay probably, and, and they have smart people in that front office, but Jerry's still the owner, the president, the GM. He didn't tell anybody. He, he's brazen about it. Yeah, it took me five minutes. Traded for Trey Lance because I wanted him for a fourth-round pick. I, I like it, but I think it just goes to show, like, it's not normal in, in Dallas. Like, don't tell us it's normal. It's not. And we've 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 covered, you know, all of that at length as well. And then, and then Kyle Shanahan. I mean, what's the plan? What's the plan? You, you know, you, you, you saw what the point guard like quarterback can do for you with the team of monsters around him. You, you, you get to the Super Bowl, you dial up the perfect play. You've got Emmanuel Sanders open for a game winning touchdown and your quarterback can't hit him. And then the next year, Josh Allen tasers you 32 of 40. He's unstoppable. And you feel like you need your own freak show quarterback. You sell the farm, three first round picks, Trey Lance. It, it doesn't really make any sense. So, okay, you gave Trey Lance a year. And then that second season, he's so good that Jimmy Garoppolo can't even compete with him. Like there was no doubt about it. Trey Lance is our guy. And then he has a season ending injury. He's done. He recovers, and now Brock Purdy is so good that Trey Lance can't even compete with him, with Lance. Shanahan's just been kind of spazzing out where it matters most. Like, he's this brilliant play designer, brilliant play caller, like, at the cutting edge of innovation in football, 
yet when it comes to what matters most quarterback, he, I think I wrote, he's got like the tender love and grace of, you know, the buffoon in your fantasy league that you try to rip off every year. Like he just doesn't know what he's doing. It's such a dichotomy. It doesn't make sense. How can such a good coach and we got to cut him a little slack. (laughs) There's been some bad luck, the injuries, and he'll be the first to point out that Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy for two of those five years. And Trey Lance's injury didn't help. And even Brock Purdy went down in the NFC Championship game. I, I I get it. But the lack of a plan at that position, I think, is going to be a fatal flaw. And here's what I want to ask you. I mean, can you win this way, Jim? Can you win with the Garoppolo's and the Purdy's and, you know, that quarterback in the cockpit being told exactly what to do every play, not necessarily improvising and being creative um, or at some point, are you going to need the A plus improvisational playmaker with a little element of special at the position? Because it seems like Sh- Shanahan just decided to go back to what he was doing before, and he ain't turning back now. Okay, let's go with Dallas quick. Trey Lance. No, that is to me. That's fine. That is one of the best front offices. Believe it or not. Their talent, Tyler, the way they draft, their free agents year in and year out, they have ballers on that team. Okay. And that's, that is a credit to that scouting staff, everybody involved. Trey Lance, third string quarterback for right now. Who cares? Why not? Honestly, Tyler, we talked about him on the show. I thought I didn't see it with Trey Lance. I, I only saw a guy that could throw a nice deep ball. I didn't see a special athlete. I saw a fast, good look. You know, he could run fast straight ahead. He wasn't making dynamic plays athletically. So you wouldn't hang your hat on that. His release was slow. He wasn't asked to do anything there that he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. They said he was running NFL offenses. I've never understood that. If you're not facing NFL pressure, I don't care what you're running. And I just felt like I didn't see – honestly, Tyler, I thought I saw everything in Carson Wentz. We talked about that coming out. I was ready to mortgage the world for Carson Wentz. I would have done it. And I thought until he got injured in Philly, you know, I thought, yep, that was the right – That Philly got their guy forever, Carson Wentz forever. And here we are. The guy's not even in the league right now. It's crazy. The position's crazy. Situations matter. Trey Lance, it's not his fault where he got drafted. Let's start with that, too. Not his fault. So let's hope. Let's hope he's in a good spot where he can learn and develop. Um, Because that's young guys can develop. But he's not ready to play. And that's where we're going to lead to San Fran. They deemed him. He wasn't catching on. Whether it was off whether how he was handling himself off the field, in the classroom, he wasn't catching on for them to have given up on him. Because physically is one physical's one thing. And he showed signs of good play in the NFL. It wasn't like he, I mean, he went out there and made some plays. Something happened there where they said it's not going to work, where they didn't want to work with him anymore. That to me has to do with maybe how he is either I don't want to say how he's handling himself. He is not connecting with the playbook somehow with what Shanahan wants from his quarterback or else he would have kept him around somehow. That's how I look at that. And no, the third part of that, I don't think you can make a living with Brock Purdy. I don't. I think it's too hard. There's definitely something that we don't know. It's a great point. They see him day in and day out in the meetings. And that's why I say that. There's no way. They're not going to just broadcast it in a press conference. No. And not after what they invested in him. And they probably like him and they want him to succeed, but they know it's not going to work there. I want to get your, your, your perspective on this though. So on Dallas and Jerry Jones in the front office, you're right. They've got some some studs. I mean, studs. in their scouting department, their personnel department, and they've drafted well. I mean, Micah Parsons right. could be a Hall of Famer. What I was told, though, was in those draft meetings, when you've got scouts and you've got coaches and their button heads and 
coaches are kind of looking at maybe a cut up with highlights and they're not really looking at the prospect in full over an entire season. Um, so obviously there's that dynamic that's probably common in a lot of front offices, but with, with Jerry Jones, if there's a break, a scout told me that it was common for people to try to corner Jerry and influence influence him one way or another, (laughs) that he was very malleable was the word used very, very malleable. And his opinion could just kind of shift with the wind and he's the GM, but he's not putting in typical GM work, right? He's not, Joe Shane living nine plus years out of Marriott's or Brian Gudikins or Brad Holmes or all of these GMs that you were on the road with as a Southeast scout when you were at the New Orleans Saints. Like he's Jerry's not doing that. He's in private planes <laughs> partying his ass off. Okay, let's just say what it is. As uh another source told me for that series a couple years back, he's got he's got that Michael Irvin in him still. He's in his 80s. Jerry ain't slowing down. Okay, so that's who's in charge here. That's who still has final say. And yeah, I'm with you. Like fourth round pick, Trey Lance, throw a dart at the board. Why the hell not? To me, it's like this is like we're seeing a sign of what life is like internally, day to day, externally in the public. And it's just it's just not normal. I just think one way or another, it's going to catch up to Dallas. I don't know how. I don't know when. Last year, we heard Jerry Jones saying Zeke's our number one. Zeke needs the ball. Zeke, 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 Zeke. Would anybody that watched that backfield and that team knew Tony Pollard was better, right? And so they fart around with Zeke last season, finally realize he's washed and tag Pollard and he'll be the guy this year. But then what happens? Like Kellen Moore gets scapegoated. You bring in Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy's talking about needing to uh, to run the ball more. So I just don't, I, I mean, I could see the bottom coming out from underneath this team. I, I really could. Like, even with all that talent, I don't know. Uh, I, I like the Giants. I like the Eagles. The Commanders, they're not going to be pushovers in all of those divisional games with that defense. And, and no, Sam, Sam Howell might be good for all we know. Defense, um, they're, they're, they're watching. You got to show up. Good luck with Sam Howell. Okay, but I don't want to cut you off if you have anything else to add. No, that Dallas. was good. We went we went long on the East. We went long on the East. But that that division has that has some power in there. There's talent in that division. We can go with that Green Bay division. Jordan Love, the Jordan Love era. I mean, begins pick, in earnest. I'm good with taking them to win the division. You go ahead. Woo. You're going Green Bay to win the NFC North. Let's hear why. What you got? I think this coach quarterback team, I think it's time defense. I feel like we talk about their defense as always having talent, but I don't necessarily feel like their defense produces the way we talk about their talent. I think I'm going to count on the talent maybe coming together on defense. I like this, Jordan. I, you, This is what we were talking about, how you bring stuff out. Jordan Love, I've heard enough good things and seen enough of the X clips. I'm, I'm a believer. Brian Gutekis, scout I was on the road with, I respect. He went for it. He got rid of a Hall of Famer. That takes guts. He did it for a reason because he believes this quarterback can get it done with this coach who's had success green Bay, go ahead, rip it apart. I'm not ripping that apart. <laughs> I am all well, in you, you, on Jordan love at this point. Uh, yeah. I just think that we underestimate how, how a quarterback can improve a young quarterback. That, who's 21, 22. It's the power of the quarterback. It's the power of the quarterback. I'm. That's what you're betting on. That's what Green Bay is betting on. That they they've seen it with him. Like the 49ers didn't see it with Trey Lance in the classroom. They saw it with Love. They know he can handle. They wouldn't ever have done this if he couldn't handle the room, the leadership. They believe. They believe in who they invested in. 
I think the turning point really was when they made Aaron Rodgers the richest quarterback in football because that was when it was increasingly easy for all of us, everyone, in the building, outside the building, to just write Jordan Love off. Like, obviously, they haven't seen enough in him. Aaron Rodgers just won a second MVP. They were the number one seed in the NFC, albeit he did what he typically does in the playoffs and fell apart against a broken Jimmy Garoppolo at Lambeau Field, producing 10 points. Even after that, they gave him that contract, and it it would have been easy to say, okay, salvage what you can for Jordan Love. It didn't work out. Trade him for draft capital, and they didn't. And it's because he, he worked his ass off that spring, that summer, Showed up to OTAs, a completely different quarterback. Remember, Aaron blew off OTAs, right? He only has himself to blame. Like the fact that Green Bay wants to move on and, and wanted to move on, and Bob McGinn reported all of it right here at Go Long. It's because you, Aaron Rodgers, quit on the team in the offseason. You blew OTAs off. You didn't work on your body, and it showed. You couldn't move like you, you used to in the pocket. You missed open receivers. You went on McAfee and complained about guys not knowing what they're doing. And you audibled out of Matt LaFleur's offense too often. I mean, the season fell apart. Giants, Jets, Commanders, those three games, when he dropped back to pass, double the amount of times that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones even carried the ball. So anyways, while all that's happening, Jordan Love is improving. And that says a lot about Jordan Love, that when all of us, everyone is thinking that you're done in Green Bay, that they should just salvage what they can get for you. You worked harder. You you worked on your weaknesses. And I think that, you know, we talk about that element of special and needing to have something that pops physically, athletically in your game. Like he had that at Utah State. Like you you could see those plays made, um, you know, out, outside of the pocket. I remember talking to Mark Ross about this for one of the Jordan Love stories that, that we had to go along. And, and Mark Ross said, look, Look at that pocket that he had to deal with the last year at Utah State. Everybody graduated. Everybody's hurt. It's it's a messy, muddy pocket, and he's just got to improvise. He's just got to make plays. Where a Tua Tunga Viola at Alabama, it was so clean. He's got five stars all around him. I think that Brian Gould against Matt LaFleur saw that season out of Jordan Love and said, okay, there, there's something that we can work with here. Let's bring him on. We know how he's going to work, and let's give it time. They gave it three years. He had the big turning point at the start of year three. You saw it in Philadelphia, right? That wasn't a prevent defense sitting back. No, like Jordan Love could have won that game for Green Bay. And now it's officially time. So I love it. I think that he's going to be very, very good. I think he'll go through growing pains. You know, they didn't have any money with all that dead money that they threw at Aaron Rodgers. Like it's not, they, they couldn't go out and sign a veteran receiver. So Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave. There, there's enough there to work with. They're just really, really young and really raw. Um, so I think I'll still go with Detroit to win the division yeah. because that. Yeah, I'm not going to. You know, they've that. had their own three year process, right? No, Where they're I'm not arguing. You know, taking how, three yep. years to find their DNA, their guys, one through <laughs> fifty three. I, I think that the that team is ready to win the division. I think they're ready to win the the NFC and get to the Super Bowl too. But I think Green Bay gets to the playoffs. I think the future looks great with Jordan Love. Love it. Yeah, agree. I, when you're talking about the ability for him to be a playmaker, that's something you can't really put a value on that we haven't seen and don't really know because I always use Cam Newton as the guy that once you get that guy in your offense, everything else just it just takes off. And – and I'm not saying he's going to have the same style as Cam. I'm just saying that Cam had that unknown quality too, coming to the NFL a little bit. Will it work? You know, what he didn't run a real offense in, in college, blah, blah, blah. This, if this, if love has what they saw on him, to your point, Utah State, it's sky the limit for that team. They certainly have enough around them, especially with that running game, offensive line. You know, Brett Favre tells this great story where he was just grateful to be at the NFL Combine out of Southern Miss (laughs) and that when he's throwing in front of scouts and coaches, 
He just wanted to throw that football as fast and as hard as he possibly could. And he didn't really care where it went. <laughs> he just wanted to show off what he did that was different than anybody in the National Football League. And I, I think that that is just such a great lesson for all NFL teams, all scouts. Like when you're studying these prospects, like just find something that's different than anybody else and be and be self-aware with it because Johnny Manziel, you could say that's different. <laughs> Nobody's making those plays, but he didn't work hard. And I think that's probably the two things you need. Like you need this, what, what, what quality is just special and different coupled with the work ethic, the willingness to grind and to improve your weaknesses. And it sounds old school, but that's kind of why I love football, man. Like as much as we think things change, a lot, it really doesn't. All right. Some guys are going to work. Some guys aren't, you know, you put Joe Shane made this point too. Like what happens when you put a lot of money into somebody's pocket, you know, like that, that, that is something you're really looking for as a scout, isn't it, Jim? Like when this player is given life-changing money mm. and that life-changing money, it could be the money a seventh round pick makes could be the money a practice squad guy makes. Like when you just, hand somebody all this money what does he do with it where does he go from here right is it hit snooze three times and miss a meeting or is it wake up at 4 a.m right piss and vinegar <laughs> where where does this guy go from here because they can go any direction i feel like the nfl does a good job now at least providing everybody with resources and support to handle their money and get and get help. It, it is. It's. I feel like Tyler. When I first started in the NFL, I felt like I heard a lot more stories of players kind of just not understanding, you know, how quick their careers can be. That's what I don't think people understand the average career length of a player. And so handling your money is everything in the NFL. It, it's it really is. And. You don't know. You just don't know. Now, here's what's funny, though. Think about college now. <laughs> they're all getting paid now. So they, they, yeah. they're pretty advanced, probably handling it. They're all having, I mean, Dion's kid advanced, at Colorado. I don't know, man. That, that, could, that could be more of a problem. I'm trying to think if somebody gave me money at hey, 19, 20, 21. I'm going to Chuck's at Syracuse and I mean, getting, Tyler, when do you want that? too many blue moons? Right. When do you want that podcast? When I got too much, too much money on my hands in college. Yeah. So Atlantic city. Is that right? Oh, we might have to hear those stories. Atlantic Jim. city. Uh, usually, Atlantic city usually followed somehow into the equation. Okay. But green Bay, Detroit, for sure. The rest of that division. It's a great trend. No, I wanted to get back to that because I didn't want to, <laughs> I felt bad if we didn't touch on the, the bears, like Justin Fields. Like I, I, you know, Tyler, I want to see him. I want to see it. I want to see it. But I've talked about it at length. Volume completions. Like, give me 25 completions. Give me 23, 20 completions. Give me third and 12. Precision. I need to see the throws. I know the athleticism. I'm just not there with Chicago. Offensive line. I'm, I'm with you. Got to see it. I'm with you. I'm Justin with you. The Fields rest of the team, I'm not. Gotta Ooh, see it. He's there. a fantasy quarterback right now. A YouTube quarterback, as Colin Cowherd would say. Uh, hard, hard to argue. Uh, hard to argue. It was fun for like three, four weeks in the middle of last season with Justin Fields. I mean, I probably said way too many hyperbolic things on this podcast about Justin Fields <laughs> those three weeks. <laughs> I do not want to go back and listen to those shows. Uh, but let's see. I mean, maybe, maybe he'll enter that upper stratosphere this season. I don't know. I just... Look at and look at Minnesota's receiving core. Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, who Logan. by all accounts was unbelievable in training camp, just effortless what he does out there. KJ Osborne, we wrote on him at the site, saved a dude's life this year, went to Africa, says he witnessed miracles, pastor healing the blind, crazy stuff. And TJ Hawkinson is now the richest tight end in NFL history. Um, you know, they can score with anybody. I mean, Kirk Cousins, say what you will about him. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we talk about it all the time with him. 
We, you, and, you know and, and exactly Brian Flores is the defensive coordinator, so it can only go up on defense after last season. So we, we probably shouldn't sleep on the Vikings either. No, I think it's funny because it seems to always be the defense. You know, when is it going to get better? I don't know. I don't have that. That's why I don't know if I take them serious enough. But how you you can't slow them down on offense. So you, to your point, if they click on defense right away, they're a contender in that division. So I thought it was really interesting what Harrison Phillips said on the Ed Donatel defense last season, where you know they were thirteen and four. They won eleven one score games. The epic comeback against the Colts. The comeback against the Bills here in Orchard Park. He admitted, like when they got into some of those defensive meetings, they weren't really as as hard and tough and critical as they should have been, right? They were kind of riding high from these wins and maybe a little too happy, right? And instead of zeroing in on here is what went wrong, yes, we forced the right turnover at the right time, but as a defense, we need to get better in this spot and that spot and this spot. So, um. We'll see if it improves. All right, before we sign off, Jim, NFC South. We've spent a lot of time uh, discussing Atlanta Falcons. I think we both love the attempt to be different, to go counterculture. Peter King is all in. He was on the happy hour discussing it too. Uh, Another one of those decisions that we'll need to keep an eye on the decision to draft Kyle Pitts over Justin Fields, the decision to draft a running back eighth overall. It's different. I kind of like it. I think they win the division. I think they win a playoff game. Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, you, you pay Chris Lindstrom the most money at guard. You bring in Janu Smith, the block. You hope you're going to get that thousand yards out of Kyle Pitts at, tight end he's different drake london scotty miller matt collins even though he doesn't use utensils when he eats mm. if desmond ritter is a okay quarterback this can be a really good team again the defense they need to improve they were really bad last year but they were able to sign some players draft some play- we'll, we'll see what happens on that side of the ball uh to me in the nfc south it's it's, it's atlanta i think tampa bay still has six, seven core guys on defense. I, I believe Carlton Davis is onto something when he says that they can still compete. I think they're going to roll over and die. You like the saints. Your saints may, may uh, prove me dead wrong here. They talk about restructuring contracts, man. They really revolutionize that stuff. That's all they do mm. is run it back. <laughs> and I don't think care. I don't, I don't think Carolina's ready yet. Tyler, I don't, think any of these teams are ready like the Saints are, to be honest. I think Atlanta, I'm we've talked about them. I'm intrigued by Atlanta. Once again, every game's gonna be tough. There's not the, we talk about these divisions. It the parody is incredible. Um when you you know when we sit here and go through it like this. I just love what they have on offense right now. I know Dennis Allen worked with him. I have so much respect for him. I know when I was with New Orleans, he was an assistant defensive line coach. To think that he has worked his way from that to getting a head job in the NFL, fired, set up for failure. Mickey Loomis, incredible loyalty. I would think Sean Payton also gave his blessing on Dennis Allen to Mickey. um, I would think. But I just love that. I know I know what Dennis Allen's all about. And those guys on defense, it's hard to find guys like Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Lattimore, Corner, uh, Matthew. There's some there's something about that team. And I just feel like they are better. That division, I feel like they are the best team in that division. They get to the playoffs healthy. I think they make noise. That receiving core is scary. That running game is scary. The offensive line's legit. Demario Davis may be the most underrated player oh. in the sport itself. 
Just you just did. watch him in a game. You, Holy yeah. hell. That's why I bring him up because you, Tyler, it's people don't realize he's a car crash. Like that's when, when you always talk about the NFL players are different that I think of him like, yeah, that's not for me. Like I, that's not my style. Like I'm not, I'm not built to play like that in anything. I got to see how that trade works out for the, was it the, the jets, the Browns? Let's, let's just see how, how that works out. You know? Yeah, one of the the one that got away. Der- one thought on the Saints, man, Derek Carr, uh, he's incredible human being. Anybody who has ever been a teammate of Derek Carr will just speak insanely high of him. We we've gotten into it on here. How much of last season though was Josh McDaniels and the verbiage and the offense being a bad fit? How much of it was Derek Carr showing a little decline? Because you did have Devontae Adams, who was your, his best friend. There, there, there's talent on that Raiders team, but the wheels kind of came off by the end of the season. So that that should be a little concern, of course. You know, if I'm putting Tampa Bay ahead of New Orleans, I'd have to defend Baker Mayfield in that same vein, which gets that's where it gets a little tricky. Um, still on that hill, baby. Still, still gonna die on that Baker Hill. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna touch on you. Hey. Look, I put I put myself out there on on some things, so we we do that every now and then. It's okay. That's why. Yeah, that's why bad. not? Hey, real quick though, with the NFC West, San Fran, obviously the talent. To, but I, I'm just I, not. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle won the division. I, I'm at all. There, I'm not. That's what I was gonna say. Wouldn't surprise me either. Read my the mind. back-to-back drafts that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have had. I mean, I'm not sure there's better back back-to-back drafts out there in the NFL. And then you just completely turn Geno Smith's career around. Let's see if that sticks with Geno. Dave Canales off to Tampa, but then they draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. DK Metcalf's in his prime. Tyler Lockett is still there. You know, Zach Charbonnet is drafted to pair with. Ken Walker. They've got playmakers and ascending talent. So yeah, we kind of, maybe, maybe we buried the lead on this NFC preview. Maybe it's Seattle that gets out of this conference. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to take them to win the division. No, not, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, Cause this is me just not knowing enough about Purdy to buy into Purdy. Yeah. If Purdy is for some reason, if he's for some reason, very good. Yeah, I'm taking the 49ers to win the division and I'm taking them to win the NFC if Purdy is real. But I'm not convinced. I can't pre- I can't go there yet cuz I haven't seen Purdy enough. The last player picked in the draft. Yep. I just can't it's- see Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, all of these pieces staying healthy and in their prime for a season, two seasons, three seasons. But, hey, maybe we're just a bunch of anti-Purdites on this podcast. We'll see. That's why they play the games. Okay. So that was fun. I don't think we picked an NFC. Did you? Well, I was wondering if we wanted to. Do we want to throw predictions out there? Because we're going to have them at the site. You can if you want. Yeah, I'm not. Mm Mm-mm. I can't pick this. You're going to pull an all nighter studying the stats, aren't you? And then you won't gonna... believe. You won't believe some of the film I have to watch tonight. <laughs> you're going to be all 22 and until your eyes bleed. <laughs> Man, well, we are two fun. nights away though, Tyler. I can't wait for this season to get. That, that's why it was fun the way you kicked the show off. Just talking about how this whole thing got started. And now, you know, it's the start of the season. It is kind of like a. You know, it's like, hey, everybody's winning the Super Bowl right now, undefeated. Everybody feels good. Absolutely. And I, again, I just can't thank everybody out there enough. This is, yeah, like this is a dream. I mean, when I was a kid growing up here in Western New York, I remember making, you know, Packer weeklies for my mom and dad. Right, growing up as a Packer fan, and 
<laughs> like just uh, reading the pack report, reading the journal Sentinel, the Green Bay News Chronicle, the Press Gazette as a kid, and just trying to create my own little weekly publication as a third grader watching the Packers. And I mean, to be able to uh, to start a long form website and for people to invest in it and for this thing to keep going four years and and and, and not just keep going, right? I mean, it's not not just a matter of not having ads and sponsors and VC money. Like th- this business is is doing better than I ever expected. The numbers are great, and it's all because of our readers. It's all because of our subscribers and the investment that you have put into Go Long will always be put back into the company. Uh, hey, incredibly fortunate. Thank you so much, and we are so psyched with what's ahead in 2023, 2024. Again, thank you, Jim. You get on that film and you report your findings ASAP. It's it's all will go to FanDuel. <laughs>